Well, I wanted to, one also, one of the reasons to have them do it here in a more public setting is because um, I've been on this series called Acceptable Addictions, and uh, today is gossip. And so, that's supposed to be a little bit of a joke, you know, the idea that it won't go around and, no. We're talking about these things that we in our lives can allow to happen and not even be aware of. Uh, I was thinking about this message, and I was thinking about the way we use our mouth and what we say. And I was thinking about, you know, as I was uh, thinking about it, I, I looked at this little Up 24 band I have. Some of you might know, like a Fitbit, that kind of thing. And, and when you wear it, it tracks your sleep. So I, I think I have a slide of tracking one of my, oh, that's the one. Let's go to the next one. That's the one on sleep. That one is, it, show, it shows you those dark lines show how deep I'm sleeping, and the light blue is how light I'm sleeping, the orange is when I'm getting up, and so that's just one night. I wish it would have been full through blue, but it wasn't. And then the back one, if you go back to that one, um, it measures your steps. So what's interesting about this is, is you see those little, that's through the day, and since I have a, quote, kind of desk job, I, I, when I first wore this, I thought, wow, this is interesting. I, I thought before ever wearing it, I was probably taking lots of steps. And then I began to realize the goal is 10,000 steps. And I was getting maybe two to 3,000 and recognized if I'm going to do 10,000 steps, I got to, you know, you got to run or walk or do something else. And, and that's what you need to do to get up to that goal. So what I think is interesting about that is, is I began to realize that, you know, you don't really do well on something unless you kind of pinpoint it and then measure it, right? And I thought, what if, what if someone came out with rather than like an up 24 or a Fitbit, what if someone came out with a word 24 or a tame talk one? And, and, and they were able to put something on your wrist so that throughout the day they would measure how many words you spoke. Now that might be interesting in itself because, you know, left unmeasured, you may not think you say much. Or you may think the person says a lot until you measure it. What if you measured the percentage of words that came out of your mouth that were complaining words? Maybe they have these categories, the same thing. You could just all of a sudden see that happen. Or, or maybe they measured the words that came out of your mouth that were negative. Words that you uh, maybe spoke in a, such a way that really didn't build someone up, but it, it more or less kind of tore them down or even caused some suspicion about that person. Or you gave a bad report or you assumed the worst or maybe you just you know, gossiped. And I wonder how often that would measure it. There's another little thing on this little band that if you're sitting for about an hour, I can kind of put it for an hour, it'll kind of just buzz. Can you imagine every time you would say something, if it was something that wasn't pleasing to the Lord, it would just kind of buzz? We wouldn't probably talk, right? I got thinking about that. What if, what if we actually... See, see, we have this idea that, that some of the things we do in our life are just not that important. You know, some sins are really bigger than other sins. I love what George said last week. If you didn't hear his, his talk on the acceptable addiction greed, I encourage you to watch it either on YouTube or pick it up on, on, um, on one of the, the uh, areas that you... What's it called again? Podcast. There you go. Pick it up on a podcast. Because he was making the comment that we, we often can focus on big sins as unacceptable ones and minor sins that, that though we agree are wrong, they kind of become acceptable. And the big ones, he says, are kind of like heart attacks, you know, like murder, stealing, adultery. And then the little ones, like complaining, being easily offended. Some of those we've been talking about greed and gossip are like a muscle pull or, a, a, you know, like a hangnail. They just bug us a little bit. They don't really hurt. And we kind of let them 
go by the way because they're not the big ones that see and devastate you and put you out, but they're the little ones that are just not as noticeable. They're not as measured. They're just not as significant until you read words like what Jesus has to say in Matthew chapter 12, verses 34 through 36. And Jesus says, as he's speaking to those who are there, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man speaks the good things out of the good sort up in his heart. And the evil man speaks evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that every person will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you'll be acquitted, and by your words you'll be condemned. There's two things primarily there. Our words reflect our heart. What you are saying is a good reflection of your heart. And so um, I often will tell people, you know, it says, you know, Jesus talks about look at the fruit in the tree. He says, you've got to watch the fruit. You've got to watch what's done more so sometimes than words. Words really reflect the heart. There's a second thing here that's really important. It says every careless word, which can actually be translated casual word. And it can mean words that you use when you're in a place where you're aware that people are listening or it may be something that you said, so you're kind of on show, so to speak. You're using words to recreate and maintain an image. A lot of times we can use words and, and use them in such a way to cause people to think better of ourselves or to, to think something that we want them to think about. But these casual, he says, careless words are the kind of words that you say in the back room in casual conversation. They're careless because you're not taking conscious effort to actually measure what you're saying. You're saying with someone you, you probably believe probably won't have much disagreement with you or might be neutral. And that's exactly where Scripture tells us gossip takes place. It's often around a breakfast table, a water cooler, in conversation with friends. They're the casual words of daily conversation. And the bottom line is I don't think we take this sin too seriously. I know in my heart it's not always on the top register of my mind. But I think if we understood it better, if we really did have a word 24 kind of thing or a tame talk on our wrist, we might really see this differently. These careless words, casual conversations, according to to God isn't a small thing. In in Romans 128 verses 28 um, chapter 1 Verses 28 through 31. It's interesting. In this passage of Scripture, Paul is saying there is a mind, there's a person, there's a heart that rejects God. And when they reject God, they become full of of every kind of wickedness and evil and greed and depravity. They are full of envy and murder and strife and deceit and malice. Those are, you kind of go, yes, Paul, those are big things. Until you continue along and you get caught in this because he kind of throws you a curveball and he says they are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. And I thought, isn't that interesting? This sin is listed with all the rest. Because it doesn't seem to make a big difference in God's eyes. This morning what I wanted to do is help us maybe understand this better and help us to maybe be more aware of that in our own heart and our own life. And I, I, and I want to just share with you, here's kind of the direction of what we're going to do in the moments that we have. First was, what is gossip? I look at it and then look specifically at a few words that in the Bible talks about it. And then why do we do it? And how do you stop and avoid it? Hopefully we'll get through those things um, this morning. What is gossip? 
Here's a couple definitions. The Random House Dictionary definition is pretty simple. It's a short definition. It's idle talk or rumor, especially about the personal or private affairs of others. Idle talk or rumor, especially about personal or private affairs of others. There's a longer definition that I saw when I was looking at a website, one called WiseGeek, whose tagline is clear answers for common questions. And I thought this was pretty good. Gossip is a broad term that is defined in several different ways. In general, gossip involves the creation and repetition of rumors. Now, here's the part I thought was interesting. Regarding an individual who is not present to offer his or her perspective on the purported events under discussion. Regarding an individual who is not present. Generally, gossip has little or no basis in fact and is sometimes intended to convey a negative image of an individual. So we look at the Word of God, you'll find often it has more that idea of conveying a bad report. It's not unusual for people who engage in spreading of gossip to consider themselves not to be gossips. The rationalization is that the individual is simply conveying information that was shared from another source and that is not, they're not the author of the data so that they're not necessarily responsible for the reliability of the information. They're just passing along something from another source. In fact, there may be no real malice behind the distribution of a rumor. This is often the case when repeating rumor about friends who have pres- you know, presumed to be going through a rough period in, in their relationship with a spouse or there's speculation about why an acquaintance recently left a job, that kind of thing. It may not be actually done out of malice. It's just conversation maybe with not all the facts involved. However, gossip is not always negative. They say it's in content. It still can have negative consequences. It's possible to create and spread rumors about something positive, such as, for example, the word may begin to spread that an individual is thinking about marrying someone and that he or she has dated for some time. And while the rumor may in fact be considered good news to those that hear it, the information may not be factual and could lead to negative consequences for the subject of the gossip. So the idea is that it can even be some things that are stated that may not be factual and even be looked at in a good and positive content, and yet as it's spread, it can actually still have a negative impact on others. Essentially, gossip has its roots in speculation and conjecture. I think that's a speculation and conjecture about events or attributes of people rather than focusing solely on facts that can be easily proved. And in their little definition, they say just about everyone engages in gossip in some manner. We all do it. Business associates may share gossip about people they work with. Neighbors may speculate on details of private lives of other people in their neighborhood. Even well-meaning friends may get together to hash over what they think they know about a mutual friend who is not present. There is no setting for human interaction that automatically precludes the potential for gossip. Here's what the Bible says, basically, about this. Watch what you say. Watch what you say. James 1.26 says it this way. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Jesus said it as we read a little bit ago in verse 12, chapter 12, verse 36 of Matthew. Every person will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every, not just a few, but every careless, casual word they have spoken. Simply put, as you read through the Bible, Jesus, James, and many other biblical authors make this point. We should always exercise great caution whenever we talk to someone else about someone else who is not present. And here's the key. 
I think, in getting a handle on gossip. It is most often information about another person, true or not, doesn't matter if it's true or not, that shows them in a less than positive light. That's one of the things the scripture says. If you go to the Old Testament and you try and look for this idea, it comes up in a word called slander. In the New Testament, there's lots of different words for this, but in the Old Testament, there's specifically one, and it means the idea of bad report. That's kind of, in essence, what it means. It's used at one point in Genesis 37, 2, where it says Joseph came back and gave a bad report about his brothers. Leviticus, uh, in fact, this was such a serious thing in, in, in the community of God's people that it actually a law was given. It's found in Leviticus chapter 19, 16. Do not go about spreading slander or the word bad report among your people. And the Hebrew can literally read this way. You shall not go around as a gossip monger amidst your people. That's what the word means. The New Testament gives a number of words for this idea of slander, but it also has one word for gossip as well. And the one that's most closest to this idea of slander uh, of gossip is the word to criticize. It's a word called kata laleo. It's two words. It's the Greek word for speaking laleo with the word kata, which means against. And James, he addresses this matter, and he actually, some use the word slander, and he says, do not criticize or badmouth one another, brothers. He who criticizes a brother or judges his brother criticizes the law and judges the law. And what's the law that James was talking about? It's the law of love. It, just does, it stands against not only your brother, but in doing this, it stands against what is love, which is what you are called to live out of. The word that is used there, kataleleo, um, can mean speaking against. It means to slander, to speak evil, to speak against, to say bad things about a person. It can mean to criticize, to judge, to backbite, to gossip, to censor, condemn, and grumble against another person. So it's a pretty wide range with what it means to say. There's one other word in the New Testament. It's the word gossip. It's found in Romans, the one I had read just earlier, Romans 1.29, when it says gossip, slanderers. The King James Version calls the word whisperers. Isn't that interesting? He goes whispers and slanders, and they put them right in line together because there's uh, something you're going to see in Scripture. There seems to be that those two seem to go together. Whispering is kind of an interesting way to look at it because if you ever come into a situation where you come into a room and two people are kind of whispering and all of a sudden it gets awkward, anybody ever done that? Anybody ever found doing that? And you just kind of... That's what that word means. So those are the two things you see in, in the Bible. A journalist and columnist Earl Wilson put it this way. Gossip is hearing something you like about someone you don't. <laughs> gossip is hearing something you like about someone you don't. And the Bible links these two words, gossip, whispers, and slander together as sister sins. You see, when we gossip, we speak evil about people. We badmouth them. In essence, we slander them. And there's kind of a sliding scale of, well, this is kind of innocuous and harmless in the sense of sharing some things about someone in a report where there's maybe not all the facts that are present and that person isn't present to the point where you go to you slander someone. Slandering someone, you kind of go, I don't even care if they're present. I'm going to, to their face, say this. I'm going to say this out loud because this is what I believe about them. And the difference between gossip and slander is really a matter of degrees. According to the Word of God, according to God. On the one hand, you might have to consider harmless gossip, kind of loose lips. You remember the old thing in the old... How many of you are from World War II days? Anybody? Loose lips sink ships? Right? And the whole idea of that was, you know, we're, no one was going around trying to sink ships. They were actually just going around telling someone about maybe where someone was stationed and what ship and what part of the maybe Pacific or Atlantic, wherever they were going to be. And the whole idea was that word got out and there were German spies or there were you know, other spies for the Asian. And, and then that would get back and that ship would be in peril. 
No one meant anything harmful about it. Maybe it's just loose lips. But it ends with the same kind of thing. Because in God's ears, they're both a sin. I uh, saw one commentator put it this way when he was saying, here's the difference between um, gossip and slander. He says, suppose you wanted to kill someone. There's more than one way to do this. You can take a shotgun, walk right up to them, announce you're going to shoot them, and then blow them away. That's slander. You could take a rifle, though, with a scope, put a silencer on it, hide a safe distance away, and then shoot and kill them from a distance. And they never knew it hit them. He said, that's gossip. That's kind of an interesting way to see the sliding scale of them. So why do we? Why do I gossip? Why do you gossip? You know, I, I, I love what George said last week. He says, you know, I'm not too concerned about the whys. I just want to get to the hows. What I have found in my own life, there are times for me when the whys are somewhat important. For me, sometimes i got to go, what am I seeking to get? What do I feel I need? What is it that is driving me, motivating me? What is it I'm really after? And if I'm after that, am I really going to get it when I go after that? So what is it inside of me that might want me to do this? It's always sin. But there are some reasons. And for the person who follows Jesus, the way you go about it, if it's, if it's that way through gossip, through that whole idea of slander, it's always for the follower of Jesus something that you are called not to do. It's a cheap substitute for what your soul longs for. So I was thinking about a number of reasons, and I, I put some down because you can see them in Scripture. Cheap intimacy. I think a lot of times what happens when you share information with another person is you try to create closeness. You know, you kind of go, I've only shared this with a few people. And now all of a sudden you have this sense of closeness. Wow, I must be pretty important to them. I think sometimes that's what can happen when you talk about this whole idea of gossip. It reminds me of Dennis the Menace used to say. I was a little kid when I used to watch this, but he'd whisper in his neighbor's ear. Anybody remember Dennis the Menace? This dates me. Now listen good, I can only tell you this once because my dad told me not to repeat it. So you've got to ask yourself, am I doing this because I just, inside, I'm, not, I'm feeling insecure? Or whatever, what's going on? What's driving this? Another one is what I call cheap affiliation. Or I've been debating whether it's cheap power. You share information in order to build a coalition. It's really about building a voting block. It's about gaining power to get what you want. It's like tug of war. The more you can get on your side, the better chance you have of being able to pull enough of the rope to get what you want. It kind of goes sometimes hand in hand. In fact, if you read through Scripture, it goes hand in hand with the idea that when you're offended, when you have been offended, I was talking about that a few weeks ago, easily offended, what happens is what, what we can do is we end up, we take the offense. And God says never take the offense. Our job is to forgive. But he says sometimes you take the offense and you carry it. And when you do that, you, need, you, you often, because this is the way you're feeling about something, you want to justify how you're feeling. So you share that and you carry that with others. So you get a whole group of people carrying it. It's really just a cheap way of building a sense of power. Or cheap affiliation. Cheap prestige. You share some private information so that you look smart in the know, on the inside. You feel important for a short time, but the buzz wears off. You put another person down to make yourself feel better. Those are all ways that you can do this and reasons why we may do this, reasons why anything people do it. There's a bunch of other reasons you could say, but you have to ask yourself, why am I doing this right now? What, what really is the basis? What is it that I'm doing? And the question has to be asked, why do you feel the need to share this? 
I have to ask myself, what's going on in my heart? Am I trusting God when it comes to the why for him to meet only what he can meet in my heart? So, how do we stop and avoid gossip? What are the choices to make? And it's really amazing to me. It's kind of like George said last week. It all revolves around dying to yourself. It says, you know, God, there's something in me. There's a sin. There's this that's driving me. And will I allow myself to die to it? So the first one is, I would just say, I think is interesting, is to forgive. If you turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29 through 32, it's a very interesting passage of Scripture because Paul is working with this church in Ephesus. And he says at one point in verse 29, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Ephesians 4, 29. Then it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. So there's a sense that, you know, this is, this is something that grieves God. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. There seems to be something underneath all this. Brawling and slander, and along with every form of malice, be kind and compassionate to one another. Catch this, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. What I find interesting, and the very first thing that I think often has to be looked at, if you say you really want to get serious about this, is forgiveness. It's probably around the issue of forgiveness. I think it's interesting that as you read this, Paul ties verse 29, unwholesome talk, all the way back down to 32. This is really kind of a thought that has a bookend to it. One is that which comes out of our mouth is usually the result of something that we're holding on to that we feel offended by. And all the stuff in between happens. I believe Paul ties the two together because if you're talking about someone not building them up, sharing things that should be beneficial, you probably have, according to what Paul says, the ability um, at that point to look at your heart and go, do I need to forgive? Do I need to let go of this and do I need to give it into the hands of God and leave it for him to deal with? We think so often, I think, of forgiveness as a one-and-done thing. You know, you forgive once and you're done. But in a community, when you live with other people who, who step on your toes, can offend you, or you can have some kind of just even personality differences or diref- differences of, of direction, it's real easy in those kind of community settings. It's not a one-and-done thing. I can tell you that the Word of God is really clear about this. Forgiveness is often something you do again and again. You may find yourself again and again letting go and giving it to God. Now, in a moment, we'll talk about the things you need to do. You may need to, you know, forgiveness is just something that you need to do, whether, whether um, that person comes around or you guys have a conversation where you come together in reconciliation. It really doesn't matter. Forgiveness is your own. It's a gift to yourself to let go of whatever it is that drives you so that you do not move to bitterness and rage. You do not move to talking in such ways. Because if you find yourself talking in such ways, if I find myself talking in such ways, if I'm really honest about it, It goes back to this. Am I hurt? Am I offended? Is there something that is egging me on to talk in this way? I need to forgive. I need to let go. It has nothing to do with the other person and everything to do with me. It's not my job to make that person change. It is not my job to in any way bring that person to the court where they get what's coming to them. That's all God's job. And then there's a second thing that Paul says here in this passage of Ephesians 24, 29. He talks about forgive, and then he says filter. 
you need some filters. There's some basic questions that are good to ask in your life. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only, isn't that interesting? Only. This is, folks, I'm not saying something that I have or I think any of us have down pat. And this isn't something, I'm not calling anyone to go to shame. We're just kind of saying, God, we, we really want your presence. He says, only what is helpful for building others up as you see what their need is and that it may benefit the person you're talking to. So there's just two basic things here. Is your conversation, you know, the filter, is this building this person up? Am I talking in any way that will really help this person? And is it in any way benefiting to the person that might be listening to what I'm talking about? A good question to ask yourself is, would you be comfortable if the person you were talking about walked in on your conversation? There's a Chinese proverb that says, speak only well of people and you'll never need to whisper. So you have a filter, and the Word of God gives you a couple filters. They're pretty simple. What's helpful in building up, and is it benefiting the person you're talking to? There's focus. What's your focus? Paul gives great advice in Philippians 4.8. He says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It reminds me of a song that we sing. We sang it last week, I think, and the week before. Don't stop that one that says, Whatever is true, whatever is right, lead me in the way everlasting. This idea that the filter is not only is this beneficial and is this helpful to the person, is this not only asking yourself, is it, is it going to be something that will be helpful to the person who's listening? Now you ask yourself, is this true? Is it right? This, is, this gets to, the, am I dealing with facts or am I just presenting something I think? Another one that is interesting here is not only focus, but it says, say less, use less words. Now, that would be, again, going back to this tame tongue. If you had something on your wrist, you'd begin to know how many words you use. Proverbs 20:19 says, A gossip betrays a, a confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. So you might want to avoid me. Um, I say that in jest, but I, do, I think Scripture is just, you know, it says general principles. People who tend to talk more tend to, I mean, you, you, obviously a person who doesn't talk much, you know, those people, you can hardly get anything out of them anyway, right? It's really kind of frustrating sometimes. Just tell me what you're thinking. On the other scale, there's people here where you're... Okay, I see people patting and rubbing backs and things like that of people here. But you have that other side of the coin where the person just talks and talks and talks, and you have to be careful, and Proverbs is very clear there. Watch your words. Know your weakness. The fifth thing, know your weakness. Look for occasion where this can happen. What are the places and situations where you're prone to gossip. Who are those people you need to be on guard around? Ever thought of that? And then the sixth is be a good friend. Be the kind of friend to someone else that does not let gossip or any kind of bad mouth go unchallenged. When you hear it, be willing to go, I'm not listening. I remember an occasion a number of years back with a really good friend of mine. I was in a difficult situation, and I was, I was in that place of bad-mouthing and bad reporting. And that person, who was a good friend of mine, just said, you know what, stop it, I'm not listening to this. And I was angry. Because I felt like, well, wait a second. And then 
as I reflected on it, and over the years I reflected on it, I thought, well, that was probably one of the best things a friend could do. And that was something that may have been hard for that individual, but it was really good for us in our relationship and for what God was doing in me. I love what, what was said in that blessing earlier, that word, Yerushalayim, Yeshurun. It speaks of the whole idea, that the idea that God has blessed us and loves us to bring us to a place of being both upright and happy. Isn't that incredible? God's deep desire is out of his love for us is to bring us to a place where we are upright and happy, which means he begins to even talk to us about what we talk about and how we talk about it. He believes that's important. So if you got that situation and you say, you know, I do have some places where some people talk, and I just, Matthew 18, 15 says, one of the things you can do is say, have you gone to that person and have you talked to that person? Just read Matthew 18. It says the first thing you do is you challenge the person to go to that person. Then you say, if you won't go, I'll go with you. Because God's all about reconciliation. You may want to say this um, in a very kind way. But you just may want to say to a person, I don't feel comfortable with this conversation. That's a very kind way of just, you know, I just don't feel comfortable with this conversation. And a constructive approach might be, boy, that's interesting. How do you think we can help this person? To change it from a negative to a positive. That's, that's interesting. You think, what can we do to change this to help this person? What I find it's interesting in the Word of God is that God is calling us all the time to these kind of places where we begin to look at the things that are going on in our life because one of the things that God so deeply desires for all of us is that we will, like we say in our mission statement, we will know and follow and become like Jesus because becoming like Jesus allows for God to work in your life to get you what your heart most longs for, which is his presence. So if God's really a good friend, guess what happens when you start? Think about it for a second. Guess what happens when you start to, to badmouth someone? He kind of convicts us, and then he goes, you know what? I guess I'm, and I'm not comfortable with this. Think about it. He leaves your presence. Because I don't think God sticks around in that. I think that's a huge gift to us to understand. It's a huge gift that when, when God goes and he begins to convict in his Holy Spirit and then he begins to move in that way and he begins to start saying, you know what, but you know what, Kevin, don't, uh, Kevin. And then he says when that happens, he leaves your presence. Because God is not one to give part of you that. I'm going to ask us just to stand as we close. Boy, we've run the gamut of things this morning, haven't we? I, you feel like you've been a little bit on a roller coaster with that incredible time. We worshiped and we, we heard that blessing and then we did child dedications and then we heard Carol and then I talked about this thing we don't like to talk about. But we do it because we have a God who tells us in his word his truth is perfecting us, making us upright so that we can live happy in him. Let's pray. Father, Thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for everyone who is here. We desire, Lord Jesus, to know you. We desire to follow you. 
We desire to become like you. In the quietness of this moment, we just say, Lord, if there's anything in my heart, anything in any of our hearts, God, just begin to just help us to see more clearly. That we might follow you more closely. Father, I pray your presence on each of us. That we walk in your grace and your goodness. And we are measured by your truth. That we might be upright and happy in you. In Christ's name, amen.